This is a Pocket Universe podcast in association with William M. Gaines Agent Incorporated. EC Comics presents The Vault of Horror. <laughs> Come with me now to a peaceful village whose nights are disturbed by piercing howls and maddened screams. The night is filled with strangeness as a full moon casts shimmering rays on a beast of terror. The next morning, a frightened figure finds her fiancé. Say that fast ten times. Tom! murder last night. <clears throat> no one is safe anymore. Tom, what's the matter? June, look! <gasps> Paw prints and claw marks leading to your door? Whatever do they mean? They could have been made by my brother Andrew. What? On his hunting trip in Korkoa, he was wounded by a werewolf. The wolf's blood may have infected him. Each time the full moon comes up, he disappears from the house. If only I could be sure. Oh, Tom, there he is. Andrew, I want to talk to you. Where were you last night? None of your business. And if you keep pestering me, you'll regret it all of your living days. Stop! Wait! Wait! No good! He's locked me out! Oh, Tom! I want to marry you, but not while this is hanging over our heads! (laughs) You're right, June. I've got to have proof. Tonight, there will be a full moon again. When Andrew leaves the house, I'll follow him. I'll watch his every move. That's it. Let's head up for the next shot. (laughs) Surprise! We're making a movie. It's hot. How much longer before my scene? Thankfully, a silent movie. Hey, John, a little rough with that push, huh? What gives? God, Shirley, you're such a sap. John. What the hell is eating him? Oh, don't mind Johnny. He's probably just down in the dumps from getting an icy mitt from Mitzi. Yeah, but she gives all the guys the icy mitt. <laughs> There's something else. Oh, enough punching the bag, Charlie. Last person I want to talk about right now is Mitzi. Oh, well then. <laughs> oh, my God! Oh, my God! Somebody call the police! You are you all right? What? What is it? It's Arthur Dallas, the photographer. He, He's dead! He's dead! Throat's been torn open. The year is 1921. The place is Hollywood, California. A nice place to live, I guess, if you're a grapefruit. But on the set of Providence Pictures' newest big screen extravaganza, the lines between fantasy and reality are about to blur as the head of security at Providence Pictures makes a shocking declaration. It almost looks like... like a wolf tore into him. A real one! (gasps) What? Yes, there is a wolf loose in the village. (gasps) And on the set of our film, the players in our little melodrama include 
Charles Collier, the dashing leading man. A wolf killed him. What a bunch of malarkey. Rose Townsend, the ingenue. Dear, dear Charles. John J. Bennett, the supporting player. None of them must know the truth. Not now, not ever. The director, Robert Nightingale. Just great, a murder. They're gonna replace me with King Vidor. I just know it. Floyd Miller, the assistant director. They don't pay me nearly enough for this. Herman Wagner, the cinematographer. It's pronounced Wagner. <sighs> and then there's Mitzi McDonald. When's lunch? See if you can guess which one of the players in our little melodrama is really... The Beast of the Full Moon. <laughs> the mood on the Providence Pictures lot is one of fear and trepidation. Like that's gonna shut down this picture. Alright everyone, quiet on the set. Quiet, quiet, ah shut up. Places everyone, places. Everyone, alright. Tom's brother Andrew just made a mad dash for the woods where the spell of the moon... I need more light on the moon. Let's get some more light on that moon. Okay, how about now? Not a little more. Okay, now. How's that, Herman? Ausgezeichnet. Okay, Andrew ran for the woods where the moon will bring on the werewolf transformation. EC's ready in the back. Camera! We are rolling. Beast of the full moon. Seat seven, take one. Ow. And action. Charlie runs in. Stop. Yeah, look to the left. Now to the right. And in the wild tangle of the shadowy trees, you lost him. Darn. Now let's hear the werewolf. Oh. That sounds like the cry of the werewolf. Okay, easy. Now jump. No, no, stay back. Good, good. Easy, that's great. Charlie, I need you fighting back even more. Uh, he'll kill me. There's just one hope. Jeez, easy. Calm down, man. Now push him off. Push him off. Push him off. I'm, I'm trying. I'm, I'm... Finally. Now unsheath the phony baloney knife and stab him in the hand with it. <laughs> Easy, I need you to, to run and run right, okay. And, and Tom, you're on the verge of collapse. <sighs> Good and cut! Charlie, you okay? I didn't know EC was that strong. I really thought he was going to kill me. Yeah, I didn't like how that fight played out way too long. Take a second, then we're gonna get a second take on that. EC, come on out. Hey, Sanders, we're redoing the fight scene. Sanders? Get EC out here, will ya? Uh, uh, yes, sir, Mr. Nightingale. Charlie? Charlie, are you sure you're okay? Yes, yes, I'll be fine. Where'd you disappear to? Off stage doing my makeup. Where's John? I thought he oh was... Oh, my God! <laughs> what? Ah, 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 Young it, man. It's happened again! Somebody killed DC! Oh, What? What is it? Just like Artie, his throat slashed open! Oh. 
That's impossible. He was just out here. No, he wasn't. Whoever that guy was, was wearing a different costume. <laughs> Security? something to do with what happened to what's-his-face. Bunch of bourgeois what it is. Everybody's getting the third degree, Mitzi. It's not just you. Well, I can't stand around here just doing nothing. And I'm all out of giggle water, so if Robert wants uh, careful, me... Careful, Mitzi. Nightingale's warned you once already about showing up to the set plaster. Yeah, so's your old man. Oh, God, I hate that little... Hey, John, hey, what? say, what's wrong with your hand there? I, uh, I cut it. Trying to open my pocket knife. You cut it with your pocket knife? Mm -hmm. I thought you said you lost your knife several days ago. I bought a new one. All right? Just leave it alone. All right. Rose, darling. Absolutely not. I am not shutting down production. Well, we're shutting down this studio. The whole lot effective immediately. You can't do that. Mr. Nightingale, this set's an active crime scene. There's no way in hell anyone's going in there. Robert, we can always shoot on location. Day shots and night shots. Uh, all right, all right, fine. We'll have to borrow a camera, get some clothing from wardrobe. Robert, do we have to? Robert, this he just died. You want to? I mean, no, no, no. You're right, you're right. Pick it up first thing tomorrow. Everybody, go home. Get some rest. Wagner, follow me. It's Wagner. But no one leave the city. Charlie, sweetheart. What? Oh, you're a million miles away. Mm. You know what? Head home. What? I'll meet you there later. Uh, but! Oh. And before the police manage to cordon off the set, Charles sneaks in to examine a very specific item from the prop table. This isn't a prop knife. This is real. It almost looks like... Like a wolf tore into him. A real one. Now unsheath the phony baloney knife and stab him in the hand with it. <laughs> What's wrong with your hand there? I, uh, I cut it trying to open my pocket knife. Whoever that guy was, was wearing a different costume. John Bennett? A real werewolf? Fade in on Rose Townsend's bungalow. Ooh. I know. I know. It sounds insane, but... No, it's not. Darling, I didn't want to tell you the truth, what? but... The truth? What have you been keeping from me? He claimed that when he was in the army, you know, just before the end of the war, that he was bitten by a wolf. What? Just like his character. I didn't think anything of it at the time, but... The way he's always looking at you, Charles. He looks so frightening. And the way that beast was fighting you today. I didn't want to say anything because I'm scared. Hmm. I'm scared he'll come after you. I think he's developing a crush on me. I mean, it's impossible to believe, but... But there's no such thing as a coincidence. It's just so hard to... Hard to be sure? You know what? As insane as this is going to sound, I could set a trap for him. If it is him. How... How are you planning to trap him? Oh, let me worry about that, honey. You just keep your distance from him tomorrow on set. But... Stay away from John. You hear me? <sighs> I've got work to do. Bye. So it's John Bennett, is it? We'll see.
later that night, Charles digs up a pit near the set and camouflages it with branches and leaves. Okay. Nightingale will maneuver him here just to replace the blanks in the gun with silver bullets. No one will know it's me. There's no other way. Well, in the basement of the soda fountain, a speakeasy in Venice Beach, the cast and crew is... Uh... <laughs> Getting some rest. All right, all right. Here's the EC. Gone too soon. God, it's getting late. In fact, look what time it is. It's ten minutes after scotch. <laughs> Hey, come on, Mitzi. Where'd you want to go out with me? Or me. You know I don't date guys I'm working with. Oh, well, you ain't gonna be working on this movie forever. In that case, I don't date no goons. Oh. Now, if you'll pardon me, I gotta go powder my nose. Yeah, I wonder what kind of powder. <laughs> in here. Hey, what's the big idea? You... You... What the... You... You... You're a real... At the Vault of Horror, always shed a tear upon hearing about an innocent falling victim to a ferocious monster. But in Mitzi's case, eh, we'll make an exception. Cut to the following night. Places, everyone! Places! <sighs> Actors. Sign of Mitzi anywhere, boss. Hey, 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 you want you you want I should drive to her apartment? It's not far off. Now forget it. She's probably off getting sozzled again. In fact, you know what? She's fired. What? I'll rework her scenes with the writer tomorrow. Give them to that other actress we saw. Herman! We're jumping ahead to the climax. Yavor, setting up for the climax. So, John, mm -hmm. you frequent the soda fountain. You there last night? Maybe. Maybe not. You ready? More than ready. Places, everyone! We got a real full moon in the air tonight! Lou's in the back taking over in the werewolf outfit. Herman, how's the lighting for you? Oscar Zeichman! One of these days you'll tell me what that means. Okay, Charlie, let's have the gun out. When I give you the word, Lou, come at him! Charles gets into place directly before the secret pit dug the night before, in case he can't get to his gun fast enough. A real gun with real silver bullets, not a prop gun loaded with blanks. Meanwhile, in the bushes nearby, a human form undergoes a fiendish transition. Quiet on set! Camera! We are rolling! Beast of the full moon, scene 50, take one. Ouch. <clears throat> and 
Egyptian. The moon. The mad magic of the moon. Very bright. And irresistible. Okay, Luke! Over here! Andrew, over here! Cut! What the hell is that hole doing there? Somebody get him out of there! Leave him! But before Charles has a chance to draw his weapon, the enraged beast grabs his foot and pulls him in. <laughs> now this is a movie. Hey, who's got popcorn? Oh! Uh, Lou! Get off him! Off who? Lou? trail of the werewolf for five years. The wolf that killed everyone in my regiment. Everyone except me. Now, she's finally dead. <gasps> she? My God, look! And as the wolf dies, the hideous beast slowly regains her human form, slowly changing from the hoary creature of murder and madness to a marble-like beauty. Rose? But how? Black magic. A belt of wolf pelts. She didn't always need the full moon. Rose's wounds always healed after changing back. Coming back from silver bullets, however, that's a different story. I'm done here. Goodbye. Forever. God. I need a stiff drink. Rose. Sweetheart. Charlie? Rose. Why? Oh, Charlie, Charlie, Charlie. You are such a sap. <laughs> Rose, you devil, you. Did we film any of that? Nine. Damn. How Rose ended up in Hollywood is anybody's guess. A secret she'll take to her grave. Maybe what she really wanted to do is direct. <laughs> and that's a wrap. <laughs> Check in the gate. <laughs> Welcome back. 
Oh no, we're not done with you yet. Why, there's still time for one more of my terror tales. Still room in my vault to fill you with fright. This is the story of an old man who wails alone in his death on one frigid night. But getting there is half the fun. I call it voodoo horror. <laughs> Are all the windows locked? The doors bolted? Good. Our story begins in Haiti, one of the poorest countries in the Western Hemisphere. Not much longer, though. At least, not in the mind of American globalist banker George Barker, who is celebrating his selfless effort to rebuild the country after it's been hit by an earthquake multiple hurricanes, cholera, and massive amounts of fraud. He runs an NGO called GCRI, helping IDPs. Ugh, I sound like Wikipedia. <laughs> to everything we've accomplished. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Congratulations, <laughs> it's wonderful. <laughs> Truly, we couldn't have done it without you. Oh. Much appreciated. <laughs> I can't even imagine millions of people. What do you call it? Internally displaced. Yes, internally displaced. This entire neighborhood was completely destroyed. Oh. And so. George Barker wines and dines the elite for the benefit of the locals. Joseph, uh, we should settle up. Y uh, yes, sir. Your bill, sir. Mm. <coughs> Thank you, sir. I hope you enjoyed your meal. Delicious as always. Uh, yes, 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 Almost as good as this little Haitian place in Greenwich Village. Really? Uh, back in New York. <laughs> yes, sir. Well, good night then, George. Do you need a ride back to the resort? Actually, I'll stick around for a while. The dark and stormies at this place are unreal. Oh, is that how you stay so young and handsome? Oh, Marjorie, come along. Right. Uh, we'll see you at the presentation tomorrow. Of course, Lord Melvin. Good night. Good night. Good night. Good night. <laughs> Sleep well. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank God that's over with. Joseph, have you ever had a root canal without the Novocaine? Uh, no, Mr. Baca. I would suspect it's a lot like having dinner with Lord Melvin. <laughs> Give me a dark and stormy, will you? Yes, sir. I overheard what you said about this neighborhood being completely destroyed. Not true. Really? There is one building that withstood the violence of the earth shaking and the ravaging of the water flooding. <laughs> what place are we talking about? My grandmother's shop. <laughs> it did not move when the earth moved, and when the waters came, they went right around it. I'm glad to hear it. My grandmother protected her space. One dark and stormy. <sighs> I think you would like my grandmother. You would definitely like her shop. I also heard you tell your guest that you are a collector of antiquity. A discerning collector, yes. What makes my collection different? Each artifact represents an accomplishment. 
Really? The tribal costumes from when we brought water to a village in Africa. The machetes I brought home from Brazil when I saved part of the rainforest. Oh, this is delicious. Uh, thank you, sir. You would like my grandmother. I know she would like to meet you. Oh. Interested? Hmm. My grandmother's shop, Mr. Bach. I've driven down this street a dozen times. I've never seen it. You How? only notice it on foot. Well, well, that doesn't make any sense. Nor does it look like she gets a lot of business. She gets all the business she wants, especially when I bring her the right customers. Right customers? Joseph, if this is a setup, I can have a bulldozer here faster than... Is this him, Joseph? Yes, Grandfather. What? Where did you... What's going on around here? Oh, yes. It is a perfect... What is? Your face for your bust. A bust? Of my face? A voodoo bust, yes. And we stop right there. Mr. Baca? Please. Voodoo hoodoos for old black and white movies. What's more, I don't appreciate the implication. What implication, Mr. Baca? That you people are perpetuating old stereotypes. No stereotypes, Mr. Baca. We are simply offering you what you want. And what's that? Protection. Come, Mr. Baca. My wife is waiting. I'll wait for you here, Mr. Baca. <sighs> oh, what the hell? I've come this far. Lead on. Right this way, Mr. Barker. Where, where, where is it on the floor? Oh, goodness sakes. <sighs> so how is this thing supposed to protect me? Oh. And no disrespect, but how is your wife supposed to make a bust when she looks like she can barely stand? <laughs> Ye of little faith. Come closer, Mr. Barker. Right. Look me in the eyes. I see you. I see you, Mr. Barker. And you will see how you are to be seen. Oh. Right? <clears throat> we need a few drops of your blood in the bowl, Mr. Barker. Ow! That pin better be sterile. So, what else do you need? Photographs? Nail clippings? Urine? Nothing else. That's it. You're going to make a perfect bust of me from a couple of drops of blood. Have Joseph bring you back to us in two days. 
This had better be worth it. I'm gonna get out of here. Goodness sakes. What is that on the floor? That night in his hotel room, good old George tosses and turns. He doesn't know what's worse, that he let himself hope the powers of the voodoo bus could be real, or that he let himself be conned into acting on those hopes. So, in the bright light of morning, yeah, morning, he calls his driver. And he's off to cancel his order. I know it is here somewhere. I, I, I was here just the other... Take a right here and go back around. I know it's here. Yes, uh, what are we looking for again? A small house that survived the earthquake about two stories. Well, sir, you know as well as anyone that nothing in this neighborhood survived the earthquake? No, it most certainly didn't. Well, take me back to the La Riviere restaurant and another dark and stormy. But George is told that Joseph is not there, and he'll not be back until the next day. The day he is supposed to bring Mr. Barker to pick up his order. Your grandmother's? How? We must have driven around this neighborhood. I told you, Mr. Barker, you only notice it on foot. Ah, good day, grandfather. Right on time. What? What? How does he do that? You're bust. <gasps> I don't believe it. it. It looks exactly like me. My grandmother is the best. <gasps> it's so lifelike. It's as if I'm staring into a mirror. I, I, I can't thank you enough. It's, it's beautiful. Just beautiful. My grandson will take your payment. I warn you, though, do not stare too long, Mr. Barker. You might see what we have seen. What an odd thing to say. <clears throat> well, all right then. How much? Oh, I wrote the figure down. This is for you. Oh, well, I'll leave my checkbook for that. George Barker returns to America, carefully clutching his likeness close to him the entire time. Once he's home, he places the bust on the mantle of his fireplace, and over time he realizes something. The magic of the bust is that it ages, and he doesn't. Seriously, Dorian Gray's got nothing on George Barker. Oh, God, look at all the money chasing immortality. The older they're getting, the more they long for their youth. And barring that, their names on a philanthropic fund. Hello, George. And speaking of which, hello, Marjorie. Mwah. Mwah. How's your husband? 
Lord Melvin. Well, actually... <laughs> Where is old Melvin? I thought He's I... not here. I'm afraid his age is catching up to him. His doctors grounded him. Wasn't able to take his flight. So sorry to hear that. It hasn't been, you know, easy. I understand. If there's anything I can do to help, say, later tonight, in your hotel room. Hmm. Why wait? <laughs> When George returns home the next morning, he notices that the statue looks a little older and a bit distorted. Almost (laughs) ugly. Oh my. Is that really what I would look like? Oh, thank God. They really did protect me. You see, the statue doesn't just age. It takes his crimes and deceits and gives them a face. A hideous face. (laughs) Ah, well. Excuse me. Hey. Oh, you look lost. <laughs> I'm looking for my father, Maurice Frank. It's my first time here. Of course, Maurice. Yes, he, he's an accountant. Accounting's on the floor below. I can take you there. Oh, thank you. That's not necessary. Thank you. No, thank you. <laughs> and wouldn't you know it, Barker goes home to find his not-so-better half, barely able to contain itself. What? Don't look at me like that. (laughs) Barker? Mr. Frank, of course. Come in, come in, come in. May I call you Maurice? I suppose. You have been with GCRI for almost ten years now, is that right? Yes. Terrific. We need more diligence, more transparency than ever before. I certainly agree. Then I'm going to be blunt. There are some here at GCRI who want to eliminate your division entirely. Have the work done by independent auditors. Sir, our work speaks for itself. I'm sure you'll find everything... Relax, relax. I'm not going to let the board tell me how to run this place. You're, what, 60 years old? I want you here until you retire. I'm 61, Mr. Barker, and I appreciate that. The economy being what it is. Also, I, uh, met your daughter yesterday. (laughs) What can I say? I'm interested in seeing her again, and I'd like your permission. Oh, is that it? Well, with all due respect, Mr. Barker, I've heard about how you treat women. Hmm, really? And, uh, how's that? People talk. Well, with all due respect, Mr. Frank, if you've heard people talk, then you know I have a habit of getting what I want. 
Or else what? Let's not add anything into this discussion, Mr. Frank. What I want is for your permission to take your daughter on a date. That's all. As for how I treat women, well, that kind of talk is simply bull. I promise. I will admit it's been a long time since someone asked for my permission to take out Jeannie. It's true I'm as guilty of sowing my wild oats as anyone. But seriously, <laughs> is this the face of someone who'd hurt someone else? A few weeks later, George brings Jean to his apartment for the first time. Jean, <laughs> oh, <you> scamp. <laughs> I'm so glad my dad was wrong. About what? About you. <laughs> Having forgotten to tell her about his roommate situation. <laughs> what is that? What? Uh, above the fireplace. What? Oh, oh, you mean my bust. Well, what's wrong with it? What's wrong with it? That thing is... That thing is gross. This whole place needs a woman's touch. I know. I've just been waiting for the right woman to come along. Please, <laughs> can, can we just get rid of that thing? Or just put it somewhere else? If it bothers you that much, I'll put it in my study. You won't have to see it. All right? There you are. Was that better, Jean? Thank you. Why do you have that thing? <laughs> Sentimental reasons. Sentimental reasons? Got it in Haiti. It's supposed to protect me. Are you feeling better? Much. Come here. Mm, let's lose the lights first. <laughs> <laughs> In a year, they marry. In two, surprise, surprise, George gets caught cheating. In three, Jean comes to hate the bust of her husband as much as she hates the real thing. It's vile, George. It's even starting to smell bad. I don't care where it goes, but I'm not going to have it here anymore. Don't touch it. Let go. George Barker. I'm currently unavailable. If this is an emergency, please call my office at 212-555-9733, extension 4. I will be checking in regularly over the next two weeks. Thank you. George, call me. Your office says you were supposed to be back in yesterday. I'm trying to plan our holiday vacation. Bye. George, we lost the deposit on the beach house. Our summer vacation is falling apart. Call me. I just got a call from my dad. The entire accounting department's gone. Everyone's been fired en masse and some independent auditors taking over. Damn it, George! He's three weeks from retirement. How could you do this to him? Call me as soon as you get this. The mailbox of the party you are trying to reach is full at this time. Please hang up and try again later. 
Damn you! My dad was right. He knew there was something about you. He knew it! And there's something about that cursed statue. I can't stand looking at it. Gene! Uh-oh. George. What the hell are you doing? I told you to stay out of here. I've tried calling you. You don't respond to any of my mess. You're hurting me. When I tell you something, you listen to me and do it. <laughs> you want to know when I'm coming back. You want to know where I'm going. You want to tell me what I can and can't have in my own home. Stop it. You're lucky I don't. Don't what? You know what? Screw your dad and screw you. I'm going for a walk, and I don't know when I'll be back. I've got to get out of here before he comes back. Meanwhile, George walks through the deserted park, planning his future. I'll have to get rid of her. It can't be a divorce. She's not getting a dime. That bitch! I'll just mourn appropriately and <laughs> find a new wife. Just wait, dear listeners. Your patience will be rewarded. Jean has finished packing, stops at the hallway closet to put on her jacket, and then she decides. <laughs> yep, George's bust. No, 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 no more. <laughs> George's Brazilian machete. A policeman, hearing the unearthly cry echoing through the cold, dark park, rushes to find the most revolting sight in all his years on the beat. Oh, oh my god! His face sliced right off his head! And finally, back at George Barker's luxurious apartment. What? Statue. This face. It, it looks like George. It looks like George, but of course it was merely a slice of life. <laughs> Told you your patience would be rewarded. I really hope you enjoyed my story and its side-splitting conclusion. <laughs> this is your rusty, trusty vault keeper, thanking you for lending me your ear. I'll give it back next time you visit. Next time you visit me deep down in the Vault of Horror.
The Beast of the Full Moon was adapted by Lance Roger Axe from the story by Bill Gaines, Al Feldstein, and Jack Davis, and featured the voices of Brent Ascari, Barry Dodd, William Dufries, Christine Marshall, Nick Rhodes, Casey Turner, and Jonathan Woodward. Voodoo Horror was adapted by Butch D'Ambrosio from the story by Bill Gaines, Al Feldstein, and Jack Kamen, and featured the voices of Karen Bombaro, William Dufries, Paul Haley, James Herrera, Ashanti Williams, and Janae Woodruff, and starring Kevin Grievous as the Vault Keeper. Recorded at Mind's Eye Productions Maine and Invisible Studios Los Angeles. Sound design by David Chen and Carlos Rodriguez Sound and O'Shea Creative Media. Original music by Frankie Schulmeyer. Special thanks to Claire Kramer, David Uslin, Michael Uslin, Liz Galati, and Robert Southgate. EC Comics presents The Vault of Horror is a pocket universe podcast directed by William Dufries. Production copyright 2019 by William M. Gaines Agent Incorporated. All rights reserved. We're Pocket Plot on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, www.pocketuniverseproductions.com and www.eccomics.com.